0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Timothy McLaughlin from California today. Now, Tim is an actor, is a writer, is also a director, he's done multiple things, and he continues to do that. So we'll hear about his story, and how he got into all this, and how his journey has been. So first, let's welcome Tim. Tim, welcome aboard. Hi, thank you very much. Happy to be here, Rajeev. Absolutely. It's a pleasure hosting you. So let's talk about who you are and what you do. Okay. Uh, My name is Timothy
1: McLaughlin. I'm currently a veteran actor. And I say currently because as an actor, anything can change in life. But uh, I started out in Florida. I went to the University of Florida where I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in Mm -hmm. theater performance and production. And then I spent the next nine years working in Universal Studios in Orlando, performing in many of their stage productions. And from that point, I was able to compound it and, and roll it into some more acting work. And that led me out here to California, where my wife and my family joined me. Thank goodness. <laughs> and they uh, uh, that's where I've been pursuing my career for the last 22 years.
0: Awesome. So... Yeah. What, can you talk about a uh, little bit about your work, some, some of the things that would uh, ring a bell with the listeners? Sure. Uh, my first big project
1: that I did was an HBO miniseries called From the Earth to the Moon, which mm-hmm. was filmed back in 1998, I believe. And uh, it was produced by Tom Hanks. So wonderful project about the uh, space program. And that miniseries actually was, it spawned from, the movie Apollo 13 that Tom Hanks was in, he gained a tremendous uh, passion for the astronaut program. And so he decided to do this HBO miniseries and it was directed. Every episode was directed by many, many, many very well-known directors. I mean, even Sally Field, mm-hmm. well-known actress did a, directed an episode of that, but I was fortunate to work with director uh, Frank Marshall, who is a very, very well-known producer. He produced all of the, um, Indiana Jones movies, and many, many, many more. So um, that was really my very, very first big project to work with a lot of uh, A-list actors. When was this? Yeah? Uh, When was this? It was in 1998. And from that point, I was basically working with a lot of commercials, uh, a couple of TV shows. There was a television series called Mortal Kombat and I was on one of those uh, as episodes. And that basically, um, uh, it snowballed actually to a point where some of the directors were telling me to come out to California to pursue further further roles and further movies. So when I did come out here to California, unfortunately, the timing was not as good as I hoped it would be because the actor strike happened about three months after I got out here to California. So that was a very difficult time, 2000, 2001, right around that time period uh, was a very difficult period for myself as an actor and for all actors. You know, once that happens, finding work was very hard.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you mentioned that you started with Universal Studios. Now, Mm -hmm. Did you do anything before you got into stage acting and all that, or uh, did you have a conventional career or did you, did, is that where you started?
1: Really where I started. I, uh, when I first started college, I was actually uh, majoring in oceanography because wow. I love, I love marine life. And from that point on, things just started to evolve and change. And, and, you know, as a, as a young 18 year old, you know, student, many students just, don't really know what direction they want to go in they think they do and then you know they they get out there in the real world and they start experience life events and they you know evolve and change their passions and find where they really really want to go so yeah it was kind of a 180 degree turn from when i first started in college but that's that's the way it happened
0: that's awesome so now you know you're you're someone who's actually found your way to Hollywood and pretty much climbed the ladder, so to speak, from the bottom up. So when you look at stage acting, the one, what you did at Universal versus uh, acting in movies, how would, you, yeah. how would you describe the difference in terms of uh, what you go through as an actor?
1: Stage acting is way is very much different than than film acting. Obviously, when you go on stage to perform, you're under quite a bit of of pressure to perform at that moment. You get one shot, one take, and as an actor, you have to be very, very dialed in to your role and and to your lines. That's not to take away anything from from film acting. The difference is is of course you get many many chances in film acting because. They do a lot of takes, so they give you opportunities to sharpen it and make it a better scene. Whereas when you're on stage, if you forget a line, you have to work your way around back onto the script. It's, you know, you have to just be on your toes at all times. And it's very much more unpredictable, um, stage acting.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing one thing that I do notice, for instance, with someone who's, um, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people, for that matter, go through what you call... Um, this whole feeling of, uh, you know, how do I put it? You know, not being, uh, being fake, you know, let's, let's put it that way, right? So when, if, if someone is trying to get to be, for instance, in the coaching business, they're trying to coach others, there's this, there's this feeling of self-worth and then there's this feeling that I am worthy of being able to teach others that you, you go through it as a cycle at some point in time before you're charging money for your services, and sure. they have to they have to break that mold they have to break it and they have to tell themselves that what they have to offer is worth mm-hmm. uh, you know f- uh, the customer or the client paying money now in terms of acting and this is a, this is a cu- question out of my curiosity you know you 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 play so many different roles you know you you talked about how different takes and sharpening your uh, delivery and all that and then you know mm-hmm. you as a person have certain values certain beliefs certain you know, of your own versus you as an actor, when you're in character, it could be totally, totally different. So Mm -hmm. how would you characterize that? How would you be able to deliver your very best out there on a scene, whether on stage or in a movie, and that the conflict that goes on with your own beliefs and ideals, and then that of the character?
1: Well, first of all, if you're not willing to step out of your comfort zone you really shouldn't be an actor and, and that's a, that's one of the biggest things that i could possibly tell anyone who's even thinking about pursuing a career in acting you have to be able to step out of that comfortable zone and that could mean playing characters that you would normally so uh, in real life you may not be you know aligned with i've played many different characters and uh, the biggest one that I had the most trouble with was uh, for an episode, uh, it was a television pilot for NBC that I actually did where I actually had to play a school teacher who was a pedophile. And that had to have been one of the toughest roles for me to play. Now, every actor, I'm sure, has their breaking point or that has their, their line that they won't cross. You know, a, a very well-known actor by the name of Neil McDonough, So he is a a very, very um, committed Catholic and he refuses to do any sex scenes because of his marriage to his wife and his commitment to his wife. So, and it's really funny because he likes to play a lot of bad guy roles. Those are the roles that he ends up getting. So while he can play a bad guy role, there's always a line, a moral line that you have as an actor that you will not cross And that's a choice that each individual actor has to make. Each person in life has to make. You have to understand, you know, there's going to be opportunities that may come along that may test your moral compass. And you have to be able to know when to say no, you know, and it it could be it could be a sacrifice financially. But are you willing to sacrifice financially or are you willing to sacrifice morally? Those are the differences that you have to find uh, the balance within. So,
0: you know, in in order to make it truly believable, obviously you got to get under the skin of the character and you got to be able to portray Mm -hmm. that you're actually living it. I'm sure that kind of takes a toll on an actor as a person with every single role that you play. How do you deal with something like that?
1: Through, Uh, I, I enjoy meditation, you know, as a, as a human being to sort of find the balance. And as an actor, there are many different methods to studying, to achieve the role and the character that you're working on. I, I'm a proponent of Meisner technique, which touches on emotions, life experiences. There are some actors that test or or that, that like to go the way of method acting. OK, they like to immerse themselves into that character on and off the set. Once I leave the set as an actor myself, I leave the character there. OK, it's sort of like these kids nowadays, you know, when they're, you're playing in kindergarten and you're playing with your toys. And at the end of the day in preschool, you put your toys away before you go home. And then tomorrow morning you come back and there's your toys again to play with. Well, that's kind of the way I approach it as, as an actor. When I leave the set, I leave my toys there. I leave my character there. I say goodbye to him. Uh, I tell him, I'll see you in the morning. And then there's a transition that I make where I, I walk away from that character at the end of the day. I, it's not to say I'm not thinking about him, but I walk away from the character. And then the next day you get on set and it's like stepping across this line into this imaginary world. And now you get to play with those toys. And those toys are the tools you have inside of you, your emotions, what you're bringing to the character. So it's, it's, it's not an easy task. A lot of actors have found themselves struggling outside of the soundstage or outside of working on a film. When they finish filming, they have trouble leaving that role or that character there on set and uh, it has an it it, especially if they're in a relationship a marriage if they have family that can that that character can impact the behavior with their family you know off the set so
0: absolutely now you know you've also been a writer and a director can you talk about some of those works that you have uh, actually worked on
1: Yeah, uh, there's a couple of projects, mostly the directing and and producing have been small, short films. I'm an actor first, but I always like to keep being creative. And so when, for example, um, when I'm not working as an actor, I might be home working on a writing project. Uh, Like right now I do. I have two projects that I'm trying to develop and write, and it just keeps the creative juices flowing when you're not on set as an actor. And a couple of years back, I had the opportunity to co-write and co-direct and co-produce a couple of short films for the LA 48-hour film festival, which was a a, a very interesting and fun experience. So we got to, you know, try our hands at other parts of our craft. And it it was a very good experience. I I actually produced and wrote um, a, a short film called Got Your Back?, which was entered into the 48 Hour Film Festival a few years ago. And it, it's just another way to keep myself creative, keep myself working and keep my head and my mind focused on,
0: you know, my goals. And what do you enjoy more, acting, writing or directing?
1: Acting, for absolutely acting, love acting. When you're a director or a producer, you have to look out for everybody. You have to, you're wor- you have to worry about, the entire cast and the entire crew. Your your focus is just everywhere. And it's a much more difficult task. It's a much more difficult job. As an actor, you just worry about you. You worry about your character. You worry about what you're bringing to the table. And then you connect it with the other actors that you're performing and you
0: collaborate. But you don't have to worry about anybody else. So. So when it comes to writing, what's your process? You know, how, how do you go through writing something? You know, these are stories, right? We're talking about. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, it, and it could be anything from a dream that I have, where I wake up and I said, Wow, what, what a crazy dream I just have, or had. And you sit there and you start manifesting and thinking about the, the, the scene of the dream, or the thought you might have had during the day. And then you start it just, it just starts growing. I mean, it's like a, it's like a beautiful garden, you know, this, this little, this little green stem pops up out of the ground and, and you start building it and, and nurturing it. And it, it just, all I can say is, is that I find myself daydreaming a lot when I think about a script or a story. And so what happens is, is I give names to the people that are in my visions or in my my daydreams mm-hmm. and I give names to these people and then when you give names to them you have to give a history to them. What kind of a life did they have how did they grow up you have to, and then all of a sudden the background story starts to form and once the background story starts to form, then you turn around and you can start creating scenes, moments in the story and once you create the moments in the stories then you create the conflicts so again, it starts out with just this one seed, big seed, and it just flourishes from that point. And sometimes it just instantly comes to an end and stops and you go, okay, well that story's not going to go any further and then you sort of put it into the closet or in, you know, into the drawer for a while and something else comes into your mind. So I could have like two or three different thoughts, ideas and potential projects running at the same time but you know sometimes you just have to put them away for a while you have to you have to step away from them so you can think more clearly as you start to develop
0: so when when you look at uh, a writer who's also a director versus uh, versus directing somebody else's writing or somebody else's Mm -hmm. script script you know I, i feel that if it's your own idea you end up being a a a more insightful kind kind of a director is that true or not
1: hard to say um you know there are there's different kinds of directors there are directors that have their own vision and they want it done that way and they're very narrow-minded about it and then there's directors who have a vision and then they allow the actors to collaborate and they allow um, even sometimes a uh, uh, director of DPs who are the director of photography, the cinematographers, they all collaborate on different lighting or different, different shots. And it's, you have the actors collaborating on a storyline and you have the uh, cinematographer and sound and lighting collaborating on atmosphere. So as a director, you have a vision but the really, really good directors are the ones that allow their actors and their crew to collaborate with them and to give them ideas. Because if you're thinking one way and your cinematographer or your lighting design person says, hey, listen, what do you think about shooting it this way or filming it this way? And it might, it might be a way the director never even thought about. So the really good directors allow collaboration. With everyone, the ones that are a little bit more narrow-minded, it's not to say they can't create a really great film. It's just that I think it serves them no purpose to not allow other people and other creative minds to collaborate.
0: You know, one thing that I notice, and you tell me how far this is true, but uh, you know, having come from India, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, the film world of the East you know, Mm -hmm. Bollywood, Bollywood is what they call Bollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I look at uh, Hollywood here versus like uh, draw comparisons with Bollywood and I'm talking about, let's say, let's talk about the eighties and the nineties, right? That was the time in India or in Bollywood where the name of the actor sold. Yeah. It was, you know, it was about uh, how famous was the actor, how well-known were they? And then you build a, you build a story and you cast them. Doesn't matter what the story is. The movie would still run because so and so is the hero, or, uh, you know, of, of the movie, which which I found was very different on 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 in Hollywood, where it's it's not always about uh, the hero; it's more about who fits the bill for what kind of a role, and that's what gives them, that's what gives them that you know the name that they that they gather, and then yeah. o- over time now, what I see and I think I see quite quite a bit of it in Bollywood is. It's not, it's no longer about uh, who's that famous hero that you're casting. It's about the script, the story, the appeal that it has to people. And, and that's what takes off. That's what carries off. You could be ca- casting absolutely newbies, but if the, if the story has strength, it still can do really well. And that's, that's the change that I've seen in the, in the 2000s and the 2010s and such. What, what do you think of that? Well, actually, there's there's some validity to what you're saying,
1: but really, for the most part that I found in Hollywood, that if a movie a movie is to be successful financially, it needs a star name attached to it. They won't cast a movie of nobody's unless there is a big name attached to it, because you have to get people into the seats, into the theater. You have to draw interest. And sometimes a script alone is not going to get them in there. The, the There was a movie that was done, it was back in 2009, I think it was, the third installment of the Transporter franchise, which mm-hmm. starred Jace, Jason Statham. And one of the actresses, the star in it, her name was Natalia uh, Rudakova, I believe her name was. And she had no acting experience whatsoever, zero. She mm-hmm. actually immigrated from Russia over to, uh, to the United States and she was working in New York City as a hairdresser and had never done a bit of acting in her life. And the writer of Transporter 3 saw her crossing a street one day and approached her and said, I want to sign you up for acting lessons and I want you to star in my movie. And just like that, she was a star in a mainstream film opposite of an A-list actor. So while those instances are very, very rare, they do happen. Today, I think a lot of the people that are cast in movies are Instagram influencers or Facebook influencers or Twitter influencers because they have hundreds of thousands of followers. And as a director or as a producer, you wanna fill the seats in the movie theater. You want people paying those tickets. And if someone has a million followers on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter, they know that if they put that actress or actor in that film, that those million followers, there's a good chance they'll want to come in and watch the movie. And it's in in my own personal opinion, I think it's diluting the acting industry. It's giving a lot of actors and actresses new ones, great opportunities, but I think it's, it's gonna be a difficult situation where you're having a, a clash of really good, trained, professional veteran actors and newbies who are coming in who don't have that training, who don't have that experience. And so what you're taking is, is you're, you're turning it into a popularity contest. Right, right. And, and yeah, and a lot of the actors today, I mean, a lot of big veteran actors, the A-list actors, they've spent years working their way up the ranks. Right. And now all of a the sudden they're up the ladder. And then, you know, an Instagram influencer comes in and all of a sudden they're up here. And there's no, there's no validation for them to, to have worked their way up so easy. It's they're skyrocketing above everybody very fast without, I don't wanna say paying their dues because there are, there are people like that, that, you know, they do, they become instantly famous. I think you're seeing a blend of both of those types of films happening where, you know, that they, they, you still need an A-list actor to drive a film. There's just, otherwise it's, it's going to fail miserably or it may do well at the box office, but it may not do well from a standpoint of content and uh, the word that I'm looking for meaningfulness. Okay. The films are putting out right now are cookie cutters. I mean, Marvel, they're all based on special effects and, the shock value of the movie has, has they're, they're lacking in substance. That's the word I was right. thinking.
0: Right, okay. Yeah. So w- what do you think about, you know, what has had transpired over the last year, right? So with the pandemic coming in and the theaters being shut down, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of digital content and then OTT platforms yeah. kind of yeah. coming up and kind of revalidation of the Netflix kind, uh, kind of models. And now you have all these, you know, like Disney and then Peacock and all of these, Apple TV, all of them having their own channels, plus Mm -hmm. their investments into creating content. Do you think that kind of opens up opportunity, obviously does open up opportunities for a lot more people, for a lot more Mm -hmm. content, a lot more writers, actors, directors, and all of that stuff. But the changing dynamics of the industry in terms of going into the theaters, watching movies there versus now having to release a movie on a digital platform, and then deciding whether it's a blockbuster or not based on how it does on these platforms yeah what what are your thoughts (laughs) of that yeah i think that i think that that's we're seeing a, a genuine shift
1: in content and where it's being viewed and you have your audience that just loves going to the theater it's 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 they see it as an experience and you see a lot of new people, and when I say millennials, I don't don't like to use those terms, but you see the younger generation coming up and they live on their computers or in their phones. So it's more difficult to get them into the theaters. So you have to sit there as a producer or a company and you have to sit there and say, okay, well, if they're not gonna come to me, I'm gonna go to them. So a lot of these platforms like Netflix and YouTube and Hulu and whatnot, they're producing their own content and they're throwing it out there. And what's happening is, is they're throwing a lot of content out there. And today's younger generation, their attention span has shortened quite a bit. With TikTok and all of these other little video platforms, YouTube, people can make their own projects. And most of them only last a number of minutes. You know, mm-hmm. with TikTok it's seconds, but. With other platforms, it's it's just a matter of minutes. So in essence, everybody's doing their own little short films. And then when you, you go up to the next level and you have the Netflix series and you have, you have like you said, Paramount put stuff together, Amazon, all of these uh, other platforms. And what happens is is they give them an entire season of content. Like, uh, like for example, the, the show Cobra Kai from Netflix, which which has been very popular, especially for my generation that grew up with the Karate Kid. But they release the entire season and people binge watch it in, in a day or two days. And then when they're finished, they want more. Mm-hmm. So I think what's going to happen is, or what is happening is, is that a lot of these shows that are being produced and they're releasing and dropping them all at once, it's making the audience frustrated because they want more and it takes time to film and put these projects through post-production and editing and everything. So all of this instant gratification is sort of getting the audience used to having things when they want. And I think that that could come back to hurt the industry a little bit, because when you sacrifice time, meaning you take the time to film it properly, edit it properly, and then get it out there. If you're sacrificing that time and you're shortening it, you're gonna shorten quality. You're gonna lower the quality of the project. And before you know it, there's gonna be just all kinds of nonsensical films and, and television series out there. And it's gonna I think it's gonna make them it's gonna make the audience bored after a while. They're not gonna be interested.
0: You know, I, I believe that you know the whole notion of cinema. It's pretty fascinating from the standpoint that there's the creative side of it and then there's the business or the commerce side of it. And you talked about, you know, the need for a movie to be produced, the big bucks that are invested and the need for it to reap a a return and that that pressure is always there, whether you're an actor, whether you're a writer, whether you're a director. And there's a certain level of discipline that you need to have within your craft in order to be able to meet timelines, deadlines, and all of that. At the same time, on the creative side, you gotta be really creative. You gotta be you know, innovative, out of the box, all of that, for all of these elements. That's a tough balance, you know, the pressure of delivery, the pressure and discipline of the returns, plus trying to be creative. Because for creativity, it's always said that you need to have the freedom, the time on your hands in order to pr- produce your most potent product. How does yeah. that work? How does the coming together of creativity and this, this, the commercial elements work? <laughs> very rarely.
1: <laughs> very rarely do they come together the right way. The, look, you've got at the very top of the cinema, cinematic food chain, as I call it, you have your, you have your, your companies. You have Warner Brothers and, and uh, Universal, and you have the, the big, these big movie-making companies, and they just care about making money. That's the bottom line. As long as they're in the black and they're making their money and profits, they're really not too concerned about putting out. It's not their responsibility. Let me put it that way. It's not their responsibility to put out incredibly moving films, incredibly, you know, fantastic. They put out movies that are going to make money. Right. And that is why Warner Brothers has been putting out all the DC comic movies, the Batman's and the Superman's and, and you have, and the Harry Potter movies and et cetera. And then you have, you have Marvel, which is putting out all of their stuff. And so right now it's literally just a, what I call a money generating business in that aspect. Now the lower you go down the totem pole, That's where the creativity starts to come in because you have, you know, you have the big companies and they hire the producers and the producers are in charge of keeping the budget in line, making everybody sure that everybody's happy and satisfied, basically balancing between the creativity and between the stockholders, so to speak. And then below the producers, you have the directors. Now the directors are the creative ones. The directors are also You have the directors and then behind them are the producers in when it comes to, if if you can, if I can paint this picture for you, you're sitting on a set, a movie set, and you have the director in his director chair behind the director, are producers sitting in their producer chairs and they sit there and just basically lean over into the director's ear and say, we're going over budget here. We have to get, pick things up. We have to keep things moving along, you know, They're in charge of that. They're in charge of basically keeping everything on the railroad, on the tracks, the directors, you know, they can go off the tracks. (laughs) The director is a very creative individual. He wants to put forth an artistic product, right? The producers, the producers want to make sure it gets done in time under budget and everything runs smoothly. There's no issues that come up fine, mostly financial issues. Mm -hmm. So It does. It's at the further down you go, that's where you get more creative. So um, the biggest job is the job of the producer because he, he literally is the go between, between the creative and the financial.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So Tim, what's in store for you for the future 2021? Any big plans?
1: Oh gosh, just lots of goals right now. You know Um, the pandemic really, really hurt a lot of the industry. And that's from top to bottom. All the movies that were supposed to come out this whole year, completely like you said, they got thrown over to streaming platforms or they got shelved until this year. There's several movies I know that I've had some friends work on. The, The new Top Gun movie with Tom Cruise was supposed to be out in theaters this past year and... Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to, they're going to release it next summer, I think. And then the new Ghostbusters installment was supposed to come out this summer and that got and postponed until this year as well. And, and I'm sure there's, there's many, many others, but for myself, I have two short films that are in post-production right now. Uh, one is called Fleeced and that one is pretty much finished and we're going to be hopefully putting it into the film festivals this year. So that I'm looking forward to that. It's a nice little short film, uh, comedy. And then there's another one that's in post-production that's kind of sort of hitting a, a snag right now that I'm trying to work through. And it's, it's not a short film, but it's not a feature film. It's kind of in between. Uh, it's a 45-minute film, and it stars myself and an Emmy Award-winning actor. But right now it's running into legal issues, which happens quite often where you have a director or a writer or producer who has the rights to the film and then they wanna turn around and do something different. And then the director is, there's lots of conflict. And sometimes that can be drawn out for years before you actually see the film. And then this, this one project called Warrior of Eight Flags, which I was attached to this past summer has been postponed because of the pandemic. And now they're doing a rewrite of the script so as soon as that rewrite gets finished, then we'll probably have more, more to tell as far as where and when that one's going to be filmed. But my, uh, my goals this year, I want to do Westerns. I want to do Western films. I've never done a Western, which is the reason why I grew my beard. <laughs> I didn't have this before. If you go onto my IMDb page, you'll see a huge spectrum of characters that I've played in the past. And, and not one of them has been has been this extreme as far as my beard. I'm, I'm, I'm gravitating towards like um, like the TV series, Yellowstone. Fantastic, fantastic series. I love that. Would love to be on that series. And so I'm putting all of my goals and all of my energy towards Westerns and maybe even some period pieces. I'd like to get back into doing some period pieces. So, you know, it's all up to uh, it's all up to the theater gods, so to speak. And, and where it all falls. The pandemic also hurt a lot of actors because they lost their representation, mm. their agencies. Some of the agency, agencies, the smaller ones had to close. Uh, some of the larger ones actually had to sort of let a lot of their talent go to sort of trim their roster down. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, uh, awesome. My goals this year is to get, is, to get, uh, is to get a really good theatrical agent. Uh, I have a good commercial and modeling agent, so I'm very happy with them. And then keep working hard towards making those goals a reality this year. So,
0: Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great. You know, a lot of people have these questions about, uh, you know, theater and film in general. And I think we touched on quite a few topics and your insights have been have been great i'm sure a lot of people will find value and the best way to find you would be on the imdb page
1: that can that you can see all of my latest projects if you'd like to see some of my current photos and things i do post on instagram and some of those i I post some uh, professional pictures and i also post some more personal pictures with family or you know vacation spots or things like that so you can find me on instagram at the timothy mac and imdb is imdb.me backslash timothy mclaughlin and you can find all other links within those two uh those two sites if you want to sort of poke around and find a little bit more about me and if you want to follow me on instagram happy to happy to follow you back
0: so awesome well thank you so much for joining us tim thanks for sharing everything and uh, we wish you the very best as you move thank you forward Rajiv.
1: thank you very much Rajid. And it was great talking to
0: you. Same here.
1: All right. Take care.